everyone. This is Laz Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and on this week's episode, we're talking about the Detroit Pistons' first couple of preseason games. Ben Gulkler and I talk about Sekou Dumbuya's big night, the brewing chemistry between Blake Griffin and Killian Hayes, and how Dwayne Casey is adjusting his defense to the sixth youngest team in the NBA. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, subscribe, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the discussion post on Detroit Bad Boys. That's the best way for us to have the conversation that we want to have around the podcast. In order to do that, though, you have to be following DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be doing because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this season. With all that said, it's time to go to work. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson. Pleased, as always, to be joined by my usual co-host, Ben Gulker. How you doing, Ben? Laz, doing good. Two preseason games under the belt. Let's talk about it. Pre- premature speculation. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So, technically, the second preseason game has not ended yet. I oh, my know, God. The like last a... two minutes were forever in a day. <laughs> So we're just going to say that they won the second preseason game, 99-91, and call it at that. Uh, If that's not the final score, you can sue us. That's fine. (laughs) Uh, So super, super duper high level so far, Ben. What what do you like about the Pistons so far in these two preseason games? All right, so super duper high level. Um, Okay, so I, I definitely see the vision with Killian Hayes. Um, I, I like where they're going. He's a much more um, complete player than I realize. And what I mean by that is he does a lot of things. He's just sort of all over the place, which I like. Uh, I like that they're young, and I like that Casey is playing the young guys, right? He's, he's talked about it as force-feeding, but honestly, I'm not, I'm not sure that it's force-feeding. I, I think some of these young guys are, are playing a little bit like they belong. Still got a long way to go, but playing like they belong um and uh i like the way blake griffin and derrick rose looked uh, in the first two games they look healthy uh they look engaged they look like they're embracing this team for what it is and what it isn't um so yeah i mean one win one loss um yeah i, I think there's some things to be happy about i'm, I'm still pretty much convinced that this team's not going to be very good but um, <laughs> yeah. I think there's a lot to like. Yeah, I think it would be much easier to be uh, convinced that they're not going to be good once you re- like realize that the Knicks are also not going to be probably very good. <laughs> True. And and that's been their competition the last couple of nights. Um, I agree with you wholeheartedly about Killian Hayes, uh, especially tonight. Uh, he showed his uh, aggressiveness defensively in a way that we haven't seen. And I think in a way that will definitely endear him to Dwayne Casey. And so you understand like why they're willing to give a guy like Killian Hayes that long a look, despite the fact that he shot what one of six from three on the night and uh, scored like a grand total of like 11 points in the, in the two preseason games. Um, 
I like the vision with uh, the shooters, with uh, the addition of Wayne Ellington, who has played a lot in the preseason. But you you see why when you see just how uh, how much having like an, a little extra additional spacing makes a difference for this team. Um, and I like the fact that, uh, especially in the second game, it appears that Dwayne Casey has figured out that he has a young uh, athletic team and that he should play a little bit more aggressive of a defensive style we saw a lot more trapping uh we saw a lot more like double teams in, in the second half of tonight's game so when they really uh kind of uh made a, a big run in, in the second quarter um they have forced i believe they forced 20 plus turnovers in both uh preseason games again some of that is uh how, how the knicks are playing but i think some of that is a, a stylistic choice um but the rebounding is kind of an issue, and that's something that uh, that you've talked about in the past, Ben. Uh, do you think they can generate enough like turnovers and cause enough disruption in, in passing lanes to overcome the deficiencies that they're going to face in the glass? Well, I think that's a great point. I'm glad you brought it up. I think their lack of rebounding in some ways works against their ability to play up tempo, right? Because mm, yeah a lot of your transition opportunities are going to come off rebounds. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think this is, this is a lot to be determined yet. Um, Okafor certainly hasn't looked amazing on the glass. We know that Blake Griffin, um, you know, he's not given everything he's got right now, so I don't want to read too much into it, but he's not a great defensive rebounder at this point in his career. Uh, and Plumley has always been an adequate rebounder. So you've got, you know, you've got some deficiencies there for sure. Um, and we know about Jeremy Grant. If he does play some power forward, we know he's never been a fantastic rebounder either. So that could potentially be a problem. Isaiah Stewart looked like a man child for game <laughs> on the glass, though. Uh, so we'll see. If he works his way into the rotation, maybe that helps a little. But I like your observation about um, some schematic changes defensively to sort of create some chaos and get out in transition. Because uh, certainly you've got those young legs and you want to get them moving. Uh, and that might be one way to do it because, you know, their defense is not going to be great. And if, if they can't finish defensive possessions with a rebound, it's going to be even harder. So they're going to definitely have to find a way to generate some turnovers if they want to run. Yeah. All right, Ben, we're staying at 30,000 feet. What, uh, what haven't you liked so far this preseason? Ooh, what haven't I liked so far? Well, the shooting has been bad. Um, <laughs> yeah. To be honest. Um, you know, K- Killian's shot to me just looks flat out broke. Um, the scouting report on him was that his his three point shooting isn't good. That's true. <laughs> the thing that is, I mean, I'm not going to worry about it. But the thing, if I were going to worry about it, that would concern me a little is that he doesn't have a consistent miss. Uh, and what I mean by that is, as a shooter, you know, if you're consistently a little bit long or consistently a little bit short, but pretty much on target that's a lot easier to course correct than if you're really wild, right? And so you're missing left, right off the glass, missing wide, left, wide, right. And so far, Killian's jumper is is pretty broken, pretty all over the place. So, um, you know, it's obvious he physically belongs in the NBA. His body is ready. He's strong. He gets into the paint. He sees the court. He can pass, um, but he can't shoot. So, you know, that's obviously going to be a big part of, of determining how good he can be in the NBA. And, you know, you mentioned it. Yes, having the spacing on the floor. So you're you're pulling in these sort of short-term placeholders like the Wayne Ellington, et cetera. Um, you need that to facilitate the development of a young point guard. And um, 
So the fact that the shots aren't falling, you know, they're not they're not going to win games when the shots don't fall. Uh, I don't love the lack of rebounding. Um, I, I'm a little bit concerned about interior defense. Uh, we haven't really seen any, you know, fantastic standout big men yet. But uh, Nerlens Noel had a good first game. I think kind of exposed um, a little bit of a lack of athleticism on the interior defense. So I think that could be a little problematic and frustrating. Um, as well uh, over the course of the season. So, yeah, lack of rebounding, lack of shooting. Uh, the turnovers were under control in Game 2. In Game 1, oh, man, <laughs> you could tell people hadn't played in a while because that was kind of scary. Um, oh, yeah. And, you know, Killian was, was kind of the, the front of the line on that front, and as you mentioned, he, he got control of that in Game 2. So turnovers, lack of shooting, lack of rebounding. Uh, lack of interior defense. I think those are going to be some pain points moving forward. Yeah, I think like we all saw the the shooting coming into the season, how that would be an issue, and the spacing, how that would be an issue. Um, and because that's so predictable, I think the remedy is also really predictable. Um, you, if you're playing Jeremy Grant and Blake Griffin kind of together, it's like when one of those guys isn't on the floor, the uh, other one will have more space to operate. And you'll be able to put guys who offer a little bit more in terms of uh, in terms of shooting threat and shooting gravity next to those guys when you're not playing uh, two power forwards on the court at the same time. That'll probably help. Um, so we saw we saw uh, Sadiq Bay make some threes in in the first preseason game. We saw Sfima Kailuk make uh, play really well in the first preseason game. Uh, tonight we saw Wayne Ellington. And, uh, come in and, and hit some shots. Um, we saw Josh Jackson, I think, go three of five from three. And so I think that they're, they'll are they find like places to uh, get spacing and get three-point shooting as, uh, as nights come on. It'll just be inconsistent, and there will be nights where it won't show up, and then they'll definitely lose those nights. But the long-term remedy of just like not playing Jeremy Grant at small forward, I think, is, uh, is, is a big question, answer to the question on the spacing. Uh, the other big thing I don't like as much is I noticed the same thing you did with the, uh, the lack of an interior, uh, defender. Um, you know, Mason Plumlee does a good job of moving his feet, but he kind of, uh, doesn't do an amazing job of like keeping himself in the play. And then Jaleel Okafor just doesn't have the lateral quicks and, or the vertical like athleticism to be like a, a supreme rim protector. Um, Maybe Isaiah Stewart gets to be that guy in time, but like yeah, I don't expect him to play right away, and and so I'm not like really evaluating him for that. Um, Stewart plays with a lot of energy, plays hard, but uh, I don't I don't know how much he's actually going to play when the when the season starts. Um, I think I think that's what they're trying to get around with some of the defensive stuff. Like I mentioned earlier, um, it's easier to protect the rim if there's always like a limb slowing the drive, or if you're always like hedging. Um, or, if, uh, you know, if occasionally guys are just throwing like random traps at 18 feet at you, it's hard to, it's hard to drive through those. Um, so I think that there are some schematic things they could try, but, uh, and that's going to work maybe sometimes, but you know, when you get a, when you get, when you play against higher levels of competition, uh, that's, that's going to be really tough to, uh, to eclipse. But, uh, I do think that like we, we never, we never saw them trap last year, right? We they zoned they zoned a little tonight. We saw them zone occasionally, but Dwayne had like 
an open disdain for zone defense uh, and basically said he was playing that it he's playing zone to make them talk to one another at one point, if I remember correctly last year. And so uh, like, I don't, I think that uh, they will be a little bit more creative on that end this year, but uh, creativity is not always going to be a substitute for talent. And, uh, and unless they get somebody who's like taller and faster and more athletic in the, in the front court, they're not uh, necessarily uh, going to be able to protect the rim any better. All right, Ben, the, uh, the other interesting thing I've kind of noticed is that the, the Pistons so far have been uh, doing a good job of like staggering Blake Griffin and Killian Hayes' minutes together. We're seeing the beginnings of a little bit of like dribble handoff chemistry between the two guys. Uh, what do you think of uh, the burgeoning chemistry between Killian Hayes and Blake Griffin? Well, I'm anxious to see more of it. Um, I missed most of the first quarter of tonight's game and haven't had a chance, obviously, to rewatch it because, as you mentioned, we started, <laughs> we started before the game ended. Um, so I'm, I'm going to try to watch that back later this week because I don't think they play again until Thursday. So, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm all for more of that. Um you know, killing to me, I, I've really been impressed. I'm, I'm sort of shaking myself, reminding myself that he's only 19 years old because, um, you know, he doesn't to me like when he doesn't look like he's pressing, like, you know, you see a lot of young players and it's like they have one speed and they have off speed, right? Like it's either go as hard as you can or don't go at all. Killian's really savvy and, and looks a lot more mature with the ball in his hands. So, yeah, give me some more of that Blake Griffin, uh, Killian Hayes dribble handoff stuff. You know, I think that's a nice I think that's a nice role for Blake Griffin, too, offensively. Get him into the pick and pop a little bit, the dribble handoff and pop a little bit. Prolong his knees and his physical well-being. Keep him out of the post a little bit. And we, we have another real ball handler on the floor, right, Laz? We have been talking about that for as long as we've been talking. <laughs> so, yeah, give me some more of that. I'm anxious to watch it, it you know, assuming Blake Griffin continues to get minutes, which, you know, we'll see because he, he obviously looks ready. It's not like they need to evaluate him anymore. Yeah, definitely. And they, I wouldn't be surprised if he sat one of the two remaining uh, preseason games. They He took a pretty hard shot tonight from uh, Mitchell Robinson. Um, and he's, I think he's only played like 20 ish minutes in the first couple of preseason games. Yeah. There's no reason for this. Um, but yeah, I think I've been really encouraged by the DHO chemistry. Um, it's really, it's really intriguing because both of those guys can pass in a way that we haven't, um, seen from our like Pistons guards for the most part, especially the guards that Blake has gotten to, to play with. And so you can definitely see uh, that both of those guys see creases and see advantages uh, that defense is presenting um, and, and manage to find ways to take advantage of that. Um, I also think like they're, they're, as that gets better, that'll make uh, teams play Blake differently, right? When Blake does more pick and pops, um, we can get to uh, his like uh, attacking closeouts because teams will have to close out on him because he's a great because he's a, a good enough three-point shooter, and that'll open up, you know, Blake as a short roller, Blake making decisions in the half court. Um, you'll see some, like, uh, Killian uh, flow motion stuff. Well, he'll uh, he'll hand it off to Blake. Blake will do, like, a DHO with, like, Jeremy Grant coming from the wing, and then, like, we'll, we'll see how that goes from there. Um, but, uh, but you also see, like, Blake, like, get Mason Plumlee some open buckets. I think we saw that once or twice tonight. And... Uh, 
as if you can create easy buckets in the half court with your passing, that will help ameliorate some of the lack of shooting that we talked about a little bit earlier. You know, three is still more than two, and you're not going to be able to back cut teams to death every night unless again, unless you're Seku Duboya and you're playing right. the Knicks. But uh, but yeah, I think that uh, just having like two really intelligent passers on the team on the floor at the same time and having even having another guy like Mason Plumlee, who's a, a plus pat, a plus passer for his position ugh, that almost didn't come out. Right. Uh, just having guys who can uh, see those advantages in defense, I think is uh, really important. It will create easy baskets that uh, the team will be able to capitalize on. Um, but the thought of kind of Blake pitching to, to Jeremy Grant, uh, it makes me want to ask you, Ben. Like we we've seen kind of a good Jeremy Grant game and a, and a, and a not so good Jeremy Grant game. Uh, where what do you think of the the role that the Pistons brought in Jeremy Grant to play? Because like that that seems more like the question, not yeah. whether or not he can he can succeed uh, as a Piston. Yeah, and this is this is really to be determined. Um, you know, game one, I'm tempted just to chuck it out the window, right? I mean, that was it was just a poor performance. It's his first game and, and what he expects to be this new expanded role. And you almost just want to just throw it out as the outlier. Um, yeah. I wonder Laz, if he makes sense as a three. Um, yeah. I just, yeah. I don't know. He hasn't to me, it's only two games, but he hasn't looked natural. If that makes any sense. Like it, it, it almost looks like he's loaded with hesitation and not really feeling comfortable and confident in that. And look, that, that might be the case, right? This is, this is a new team. It's a new situation. It's a new role. It's a lot of money. It's all of those things. So, um, you know, it is a little bit surprising in the sense that, you know, he's played basketball more recently than, than any of the other Pistons, right? He was in the bubble playing in the playoffs. Um, So, so it's a little surprising to see him, struggle like he has but no I think you're right game two he did he did look a little more he did look better I mean it's hard to look <laughs> worse than did any worse yeah. um but yeah I, I just don't know I don't know if I like him out there on the perimeter with Blake Griffin and Mason Plumley. I don't know if that's going to put him in the best situation um you know whether he's as you observed um sort of continuing to generate offense off of other guys or if he's generating it himself i don't know if that's the rest the right lineup and recipe for his success right now yeah what do you think about him in the post because that seems to me like one of the easier ways to get him uh possessions where he's self-creating we saw a couple of uh post mismatch uh possessions against uh alfred payton tonight that didn't always go Jeremy's way, which is a little bit uh, disappointing since it's, you know, uh, 6'3 point guard Alfred Payton on 6'9 Jeremy Grant. But uh, he did manage to draw some fouls out of the post, uh, get some easy points that way. Uh, you know, what do, what do you think about using him as a, as a, as a mismatch post scorer uh, as opposed to a guy who just like kind of dribbles uh, from 28 feet? Well, I think the playbook has to be in some ways open for him. Right. I mean, this is this is a new role kind of completely for him. So I, I do recall and I don't remember if it was James, James Edwards or one of the other uh, other writers who had some short clips on Twitter from um, some scrimmaging that was going on. And 
Uh, it was a couple clips of Jeremy Grant in the post, knocking down just some pure 17 foot fadeaways, you know, kind of back to the basket, turning over the shoulder and just knocking it down. So, um, yeah, I mean, let's try it, especially in the situations where you can generate mismatches. Um, you know, if he's out there with Blake and Plumley, Blake can obviously space the floor enough to make that work. Uh, and Plumley can kind of get out of the way uh, <laughs> for long enough to make that work. Um, so, you know, will we have enough shooting at one and two that they can't just shut that down defensively? We'll see. Um, depends on who else he's out there with. But, yeah, I'm all for it. Let's let's try it. We, we've paid him all this money. He's here to, to expand his game and to develop a new role. So, yeah, let, let's throw him into the fire a little bit and see what he's got. All right, so the the other big thing is the we, – we talked about this a little bit last week about how uh, Dwayne Casey might want some extra ball handling on the floor and how that might uh, result in Daylon Wright getting the look at uh, in the starting lineup next to Killian Hayes. Mm-hmm. That's been the case so far. Um, Daylon had one – pretty uh, uneventful I wanted if you want to be nice he had a very uneventful first game and we had a little bit more out of him in game two um but Ben what do you what do you think of how the the starting lineup has looked with Daylon Wright in it well here's what here's what I want to see I want to see how Killian Hayes looks against um regular season NBA defense because if he continues to look like he can handle it physically right? And like, he's, he's not going to get flustered and commit a whole bunch of silly turnovers. Then I wonder if it makes more sense to put him with a more traditional shooter and not to say Delon Wright can't shoot. Um, cause he obviously can. Um, but I, I wonder if maybe a secondary ball handler isn't as necessary. Um, or maybe it is, I think, but really what I want to see is how he looks against, uh, some quality NBA defense. Again, as you mentioned already several times, we were playing the Knicks, not the <laughs> best defensive team in the NBA by any stretch. And really, he had Killian kind of had a size advantage, right? He's he's had the weird to say a 19 year old has that kind of size size advantage of point guard, but he did. Um, so you know, I, I I hope we get a chance maybe halfway through the season after he's really grown into his game a little bit to put a little more pure shooting around him. I'd like to see a guy like Svee, for example, who has looked absolutely fantastic off the ball. I will say he didn't shoot particularly well tonight, but he is really moving well without the ball and shooting off off of screen actions um, really comfortably. Um, I, I really would like to get a look at that um, with, with Killian Hayes because I think, you know, when all else fails, when you look at that starting lineup, we've also got Blake Griffin who can do a whole lot of ball handling, even if it's from the post. Um, but, you know, so far two games in, it, it certainly makes sense why Casey's instincts would go that direction. Um, give him an outlet for uh, those moments where he maybe gets a little bit flustered and, and, and out of sorts. Yeah, I think I think that last element is definitely a huge factor at play here. Like uh, there was a there was a possession late or early very early in the third quarter where Killian Hayes he got he he got switched uh, Julius Randle switched on him he like took a couple dribbles ended up with a step back pull up three he missed um, came back down Pistons got a stop and he he got Killian got the rebound and kind of immediately passed the ball to Daylon Wright as if to say like yeah I know like that wasn't the best <laughs> possession in the world let me yeah. give the ball to the other point guard on the floor and like let's run some offense. 
And I think that's like very much what Daylon Wright's kind of role is. But um, and like that, it makes sense if you're Dwayne Casey. But at the same time, like you're not going to be winning a lot of games, right? So the at some point, the best thing for Killian Hayes' development is going to be that he uh, makes that mistake. He takes that terrible shot. He comes down and he, you have him run something different and run a do something better, right? Like make make adjustments in the flow of the game, not necessarily kind of just hand the ball off and and uh, wait for his next opportunity. And I think that the spacing that a guy like Svi would offer uh, just would really help the other guys in the starting lineup as well. I'm thinking particularly of like, um, I'm thinking particularly of Blake, right? Like we, we saw Blake and Svi also have a little DHO chemistry last year. Um, we've seen uh, Blake has had DHO chemistry with a lot of shooters. I'm thinking uh, particularly of our old friend, Reggie Bullock, who was uh, playing on the other side tonight. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, the, 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 gravity and the chaos that Blake creates can open a lot of space for very deadly shooters, um, but the Pistons don't play a lot of very deadly shooters and Svi is, the, Svi is a precious one of them. Um, I wonder a little bit about the team defense as well. I think that's why Svi didn't play uh, as much in game two tonight. Uh, he wasn't particularly stand out uh, on that end and uh, got a lot of his minutes cannibalized by Wayne Ellington. Um, but yeah, I, I'm with you um, and even not and it's not like uh, it's not like Daylon Wright played terribly tonight, but I think just the the elements of what Svi has to offer is just so much more valuable to the starting lineup than what Daylon Wright brings. Uh, what was the next thing I wanted to talk about? Oh, we should we should probably at some point talk about the fact that Sekou Dumbuya scored twenty three points tonight. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> uh, it was off a variety of cuts. He made a couple threes, uh, attacked the rim, was was really electric uh, in a couple of spots on defense, which I think was really encouraging. I mean, you got it going early. Um, and there had been a lot of consternation among Pistons fans that uh, Sekou didn't play that much in game one. Um, we saw, you know, it's been, a, it's been two games. It's been uneven games for a lot of performers we've talked about so far. Uh, not so great game for Seku game one. Really amazing game for Seku game two. Uh, ben, wh- where are you at on Seku right now? Well, you know, it's it's always fun to talk about a guy after he puts up a performance like he did tonight. <laughs> I mean, to say he was everywhere feels like a cliche, but that's really kind of how it was, wasn't it? I mean, he was... Um, I think it was in the fourth quarter, the Fox Sports Detroit, the little montage of, you know, four or five different off the ball back cuts he had and just absolutely found himself in the right place at the right time and, and was able to finish um, emphatically in some cases. So, you know, I think obviously um, there's still some concern about his ability to handle the ball that I don't think we've seen anything definitive that would say, yeah, he's really improved that part of his game. But, man, he, he's moving really well without the basketball. I think the thing I observed on Twitter was that it, it just looked so instinctive to me. Um, moving without the basketball is a skill, and you can you can learn it. People can learn how to do it. But to me, Seku just kind of has a nose for it. Like he, you hear coaches say he's got a nose for the basketball, and that, to me, is what I think we were seeing tonight. I think you're right to point out, uh, defensively, he got in some passing lanes. Um, he ran hard in transition. So I absolutely liked 
all of those things. Um, I, I think um, the thing with Seiko is I, I don't think you're going to see with, with Casey's handling of Seiko what you see with Casey's handling of Hayes, which is to say it seems like Casey has quite a bit of trust in Killian Hayes right now that he doesn't quite have in Seiko, so I think maybe the leash is a little bit shorter. Whether that's mm-hmm. the right thing or not, I'm not sure. Um, but I, I think maybe we can prepare ourselves mentally to see some of that where, you know, when Seku has it going and he's making an impact, he's going to get minutes. Um, but just kind of like we saw a season ago too, there were moments where he would just sort of fade into the background. If that happens, I think maybe we see the leash get a little bit shorter. So, you know, for Seku's development, hopefully he finds ways to remain engaged and, and doesn't just sort of fade into the distance and sort of disappear uh, the way he did a handful of times last season. Yeah, I think the thing that was most noticeable on that front was that he came out of the gate right away with the the drive attack, and he came out of the gate um, with uh, with I think like a rebound and, and a and a defensive impact play. And so I think if you if you show that immediately to to Dwayne Casey, like that will probably endear you. I think the the getting into the passing lanes, he had what he had two blocks tonight and, and one steal. Um, so I think you know doing that definitely endears you to the coaching staff. He had the the block of one of the blocks was like a ridiculous block of uh, Mitchell Robinson, a guy who has you know like three inches and much longer arms uh, than Seku, and that was a that was an amazing play, reminiscent of the play he made uh, against the Warriors, the the chase down block uh, in like his like second uh, start of his career. Um, and I think the, having that aggressiveness kind of makes like Seku play better as well. Right. Like the, the knowledge that he's playing with the, uh, like the type of confidence and these, and he's playing the, the defensive minded, like basketball, the coaching staff, like wants him to play. I think that I think that enables him as well. Like knowing, knowing that he's playing in such a way that he won't get pulled is good, is good for him. Um, and so, and uh, so you wonder about like the conditionality of that, right? If you should just like tell him he's playing rotation minutes no matter what, and and see what he uh, see see what he does. But I think we kind of already have the evidence that if you do that, he will just kind of fade into the background. So no, it's good. It's good to continue to make Seku earn uh, everything he's got. Um, I will say that uh, we've talked a little bit about rebounding on this podcast. Uh, Seku had what? Seku had five boards tonight and four boards in uh, much limited minute, much more limited minutes in game one. Um, he looks uh, longer than I remember, and he's still got like a he's got a great vertical burst. And so, if you're looking for a guy to get some like out of area rebounds, like I think Seku could absolutely do that, and that will probably be another thing that is very important to this Pistons team. Um, if he's just a guy who grabs like a, a lot of rebounds, I think that'll be great for uh, for his playing time. So you know, it's not going to be every night where he victimizes Obi Toppin and Julius Randle on backdoor cuts, um, but he can definitely like rebound the basketball and like cause some havoc and, and play out and transition every night. And so like that will determine uh, his level of involvement with the team, not necessarily whether or not he like you know hits a bunch of backdoor cuts. But the backdoor cuts are great to see. For sure. Well, and I think, you know, you talk about his rebounding and you're right at the team level and the individual level at the team level. 
it's absolutely going to have to be rebounding by committee, and that's one of the things that stood out to me about Killian Hayes so far. Um, he seems to rebound really well for a point guard. Hopefully that continues. But um, getting back to Segu, the thing that intrigues me about him is he seems to play bigger than he looks, right? I mean, he, he leaps well. He seems to be stronger than you would think that he would be. Um, and it, it kind of makes me think about uh, Jeremy Grant as well, right? So if Jeremy Grant isn't a three, and we don't really know for sure what Seiko is yet either, like, I still remain intrigued by thinking about those two guys as a three-four combination. Like, neither of them seems to be purely either of those positions, but you can sort of imagine a scenario 12 months from now where, where Seiko has really grown into his game, where both of them are super versatile defensively, um, Seku maybe develops a more consistent three-point shot, and you've just got this really long, um, athletic three-four combination. Um, when when maybe Blake Griffin is not you know part of the equation anymore, and that and that's intriguing and interesting to me. I don't know if it'll be good or not, <laughs> but but it's at least interesting, right? Like there's a you can at least imagine a scenario where that could be a, a lot of fun to watch and really difficult to deal with. Yeah, uh, we I think and I think we saw like a little bit of that too at the end of tonight's game. We saw the uh, Josh Jackson, Sadiq Bay, Sekou Dumbuya lineup that I had been like personally curious to see. Just because when you talk about like uh, length and athleticism and skill uh, from your three four position, well, you know Josh Jackson adds an element of that mm-hmm. from the two guard position as well. Yeah. And now all of a sudden you've got that across the entirety of your uh, of your wing players. And like now, now we're cooking. Like now, now we're uh, making. Uh, we're, we have a different element from the Pistons that we've like we just haven't had in the past, right? Like when was the last time the Pistons could put like three capable like six eight dudes on the floor simultaneously right. that that weren't big men? And it hasn't been been, been very often, right? Right. Um, and so yeah, I hope we I hope we see more of that um, during the uh, the preseason. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about Sadiq Bay. Sadiq Bay was the story of game uh, one of the preseason. Uh, didn't get to show as much um, of what he has to offer in game two. Just uh, like, again, because guys like Seku were playing well, that, that cuts into your minutes or whatever. Um, but uh, he really struck me with how composed uh, he looked on the, on the court. And something you talked about a little bit earlier, Ben, with Killian. I saw a lot of that same composure in Sadiq. It, Harkening back to the quote from Blake Griffin about how uh, Sadiq has one of the uh, the most complete games he ever seen in a rookie. Um, ben, what what do you think of uh, Sadiq Bay in uh, in the preseason so far? Well, I think you're spot on. He he didn't play as much or as well tonight as he did in game one. In game one, I think we saw a little bit of that completeness, and I think it was just a little right. I mean, he played really well. What obviously knocking down open jump shots helps. But I think what impressed me was um, his handle and composure is a really good word. He, all of the rookies so far, really. I mean, you, you don't see um, you don't see them getting flustered. You don't see them taking. Well, you've seen some bad decisions, but Sadiq oh, yeah, in particular, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, didn't really force shots. Right, like he just played very naturally, and I think able to get looks off the dribble was just a huge plus to me. I mean, if he can do that when we get to the regular season, um, you know, that puts him way ahead of what I was expecting, right? I mean, I I was hoping for three and D guy off the bench, but if he can also get a little bit of his own offense off the dribble, 
I mean, that's huge for a, a rookie just, you know, stepping into the offense and being ready to go like that. Yeah. And I don't think from Sadiq, especially like, I don't think you need a lot of like self-creation from him either. You just need to see those uh, pull-up jumpers. You need to see the the movie pulled on RJ Barrett uh, tonight where he got all the way to the rim and finished. Uh, just, just, you don't need a lot. He doesn't need to be uh, completely fat, flashy. And he's not, you know, the, the the sexiest ball handler I've ever seen in my entire life. But if he can make, get, get to his spots and make his shots and, uh, and then he's able to like hit open threes in the flow of the offense, especially like as a rookie, like that's a, that's a really effective, really good player. Uh, can dra- drafting Villanova wings just continues to be a, a great idea for, for NBA teams. Yeah. Opportunistic, I think would be what I'd like to see out of him off the I dribble like, anyway. Yeah. That is a great word for it. Opportunistic. All right, Ben, uh, is there anything you missed? Anything uh, I didn't ask you that you want to talk about? Well, I just wanted to quickly say um, Derek Rose is way too good to be on this roster <laughs> rotting away in Detroit. Um, he has looked fantastic it is not difficult to imagine a scenario for him where he's a legitimate six man of the year contender, right? I mean, if, if he could get in a scenario where he could get his 20 to 25 minutes a game, manage his minutes, get his rest on the off nights, like you could see him being the absolute perfect change of pace sort of point guard for, for a really good team. Right. Cause he's so um, off meta right now, right? Like it's the pull up mid range jump shot. Um, not much of a three-point jumper to speak of, can still get to the rim. Uh, I mean, he just looks fantastic. Um, I've really enjoyed watching him, but, uh, I mean, he just he needs to go play somewhere else where he can compete because he's just too good to be to be sitting on the bench uh, for a rebuilding team. That's all I got on, <laughs> on Derek Rose. Yeah, he has looked really uh, spry, which is, which is great to see. Um, I think that, uh, having him around will help uh, the guys, especially Killian, uh, as finishers. Derek is a very inventive finisher around the rim, and I think uh, that was one thing we saw kind of Bruce Brown especially pick up on uh, last year as the year went on with some of that little uh, inventiveness around the rim that Derek Rose has, and that's a good thing for a guy with Killian's size to pick up. Um, but yeah, like Derek, Derek Rose could absolutely make a lot of NBA teams uh much much better than they are right now and I, I don't i can't speak to his availability i'm sure the pistons would uh, they reshape the entire roster i'm sure they'd be willing to let go of derrick rose but uh yeah i just i wonder that's a that's up to really them and him whether or not uh, he wants to be in detroit forever because uh yeah you're right ben he's entirely too good to just be uh to playing be playing uh, bench minutes with uh, with like Josh Jackson and uh, Sadiq Bay. <laughs> All right, Ben, uh, it's been a good pod. It's been a late pod. It's Thanks late. for uh, old, these yeah. old two old men right now falling asleep. Yeah, <laughs> uh, let <laughs> people know where they can find you, where they can find your work. Uh, right now, I'd be our golfer on Twitter, and uh, of course on the podcast. And uh, again, thinking of writing this year a little bit. Those, those self-reliant little ones I've got running around, they don't need me every minute of every day. So hoping to do some writing this year. I, I'm, I continue to, to look forward to that. <laughs> uh, I finished up some stuff that for some of the player previews that we're going to run over the next couple of weeks. So you'll, you'll see those very soon. Excited for those. 
Uh, you can find me and my thoughts on Twitter at last chance. That's at L A Z C H A N C E. I am trying to tweet less so that I have more stuff to talk about on the podcast. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. <laughs> I noticed silence. I didn't see a whole lot tonight. I did notice that. Yeah. Trying to keep some of the, some of it in the drafts, you know, <laughs> keep it for the content, uh, keep it for the, uh, the listening audience, which we so greatly appreciate. Uh, this has been the Detroit bad boys podcast. Thank you all for listening and we'll talk to you next week. See you.